Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. Have you ever thought, when will it be enough? When will I have done enough? You know, I think a lot of us come to that place in our lives because we really kind of, in this world, we live on one of two systems. The one that we live off of, is the, and the main one we live off of, is the merit system, right? You know what I mean by the merit system? Parents, sometimes we use it with our kids. If you behave, I'll give you a treat, right? Or if you, did, if you don't behave, you're going to have this, you know, this is going to happen. There's, there's room for that. I'm not saying don't do that. But, but I'm just, walk, walk through this with me for a minute. We have school. Um, in school, you're, you're going through school and you're trying to work hard. We say if you work hard, you're going to get the right grades, right? You're gonna, your, your, your grades will show that. So much so that when we do work hard and we don't get the grades, um, we're like, wait a minute, what's happening? That person didn't work hard, they got the grades, and it kind of irritates us, right? Because we, we think, well, this, this merit system, if we keep doing this the right way, we'll get it. Or we get into the work world, right? And in the work world, you work hard so that you can move up and get the approval you need or the title you want or to get the money you want. And it just kind of drives everything we do, all right? But now flip that around for a minute. The second thing that kind of, the, the second uh, line of thought is, is life on the free pass system. We kind of get tired of living in the merit system. It annoys us, so it's like, well, I just deserve everything. Um, I shouldn't have to work for it. Just give me kind of what I want. Um, and, and so that's kind of the free pass system. And so those two things work hand in hand. It's kind of two sides of the same coin. But today, what we're going to see as we come to Titus chapter 2, continuing in our series, Grace for Living, is that grace causes us to see life differently. Grace isn't on the merit system. Grace isn't on the free pass system. Grace causes us to see life um, differently. Mark alluded to this last week. Um, he was going through um, verses 1 through 11 of chapter 2, and he talked about the, the calling we have to live our lives as followers of Jesus, live our lives by God's grace, and share that grace with other people. Um, that was where we saw older men teaching younger men, older women teaching younger women. We had the, the bond servants and what that looks like for us in work. And so he unpacked that for us. And today we're going to go back to, he, he alluded to this because he had, he, he, you can't teach that without alluding to this, but we're going to go, we're going to go to verse, verses 11 through 15 because in this we're going to see how we do that, how we live by God's grace. Because God's grace causes us to see life differently. So turn with me to Titus chapter 2. We're going to read verses 11 through 15. And as we go there, I remind you, um, this is God's word. I, don't, I want you to hear that that's not a trite thing. That's not just something we say, right? <laughs> this is God's word. And because it's God's word, it is to teach us what we're to believe about God and how we live in response to him and in response to his grace. And so, uh, God's word, beginning in Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, 
to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. So we're going to see that grace causes us to see life differently. And we see that in three different ways. That's what, that'll be the three points this morning. First one is that grace brings salvation. Verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. So the grace of God that's being referred to um, was seen fully in Jesus, right? Paul, Paul's reminding them, and he's, he's saying, in Jesus we see this fully, this, this grace. But, but this grace, and I want, I want all of you to kind of get us all on the same page again, we first see this grace all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. Remember, Adam and Eve have just sinned. Um, Adam and Eve were our representatives, so because Adam and Eve sinned, sin entered the world. It affected all mankind. All right, They were our, rep, our representatives. But God, God made a promise. He said, you know, this, this life was going to be through Adam, you know, Adam and Eve, and if they obeyed and kept it, they didn't. So now, God's like, I'm going to do this. I'm making a promise. Right? And so he makes, kind of makes this promise to Adam. We see it unfold a little bit more fully when we get to Abraham, because now God, with Abraham, you remember he took the animals, and, and Abraham walked through this in the, in his, while he was sleeping in his dream. God cut the animals in half, and Abraham, I mean, and God walked, Abraham cut the animals in half. God walked through the animals. What that meant was, God was saying, if I don't keep my promise here, then may this happen to me. And so this promise of grace is about what God has promised and what he has done. If we don't get that, we can't get the rest of this passage, right? Because grace is about what God has done and is doing. Now, with Jesus, Paul is saying, God has fulfilled his promise, and that promise is for all people. Did you know that all people need Jesus? You might recognize it today, you might not, but all people need Jesus. If, if we don't think we do, we don't understand sin, and we don't understand grace, one or the other. But I do want to make clear that when we think about all people here, we need to keep in mind the context. Because here's what, here's what um, Paul has just said. He's just finished saying um, that, that uh, talked about older men. Younger men, older women, younger women, bond servants. He, he kind of goes through the classes of society. And he's saying all of them, everyone needs Jesus. The salvation that Jesus brought was for all these groups of people. It didn't matter what their role or their status or their background was. They all needed the salvation that Jesus brought. And so the point is, no matter who you are, you need Jesus because through Jesus, the grace of God brings salvation. So when we come to understand that, when we come to understand what God has done, what, that, that, or that he has done what he promised to do, that he's brought salvation for all who acknowledge our sin and our desperate need for him, that he's brought salvation for all who believe and trust in his name, it should begin to change the way we see life. Now, I want to say something real clear, and I'll probably say it a couple more times as we go through. Notice I just said it will begin to change the way we see life. 
It doesn't say snap, now everything has changed, and now we see everything godly. Okay, so we'll come back to that. The second point of our passage, so it will begin to change the way we see life. The second point is God trains us for this life. So the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Now look at verse 12. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. This is a very important distinction as we talk about the lives of of followers of Jesus. Sometimes we act like, well, I've received salvation by grace, so now I just keep on doing whatever I want to do. That's not what the Bible teaches. Or, other times we might hear, well, I've been saved by grace, but, but now I have to work hard to prove that I deserved it. Or I've been saved by grace, so, so now I've got to work hard on the back end to make sure God doesn't change his mind. Or, or I've been saved by grace, to, and, and now I have to want to work hard to make sure other people can see that that change was for real. You notice what all those things in that second group said? I want to work hard so that I can do these things. Titus was dealing with these types of mindsets in the church on the island of Crete. Pastor John showed us that in the first week of this series. And here's the, thing, the point. We don't earn salvation. We don't keep our salvation by our works. Both of those things are initiated and worked out through the work of God's grace. The work of God through his grace, though, does begin to change us. And we're promised that he will continue to change us. Do you know that when this passage talks about being trained, the picture that that you have in this passage is like little children in the home. All right? And so when we talk about training, it's it's referring to training young kids, um, teaching, correcting, and disciplining them. When you were a parent with a young kid, I'm assuming, you know, a lot of you in here used to be parents with young kids, you're also parents, but you used to be parents with young kids, right? Some of you are in that right now. Some of you may not be there, may, may not be there in your life, but you can probably follow along and get what I'm saying here. You ever get tired? Exasperated? Think, why in the world can't I get through to this child and they keep doing the same thing over and over again? Do you ever want to just say, I'm done, I'm out? Yeah, I think we do. Sometimes, though, we think God does that. Because we do, we think that's how God acts or thinks. But he doesn't do that with his little children. And I just want to say this. He doesn't do that with his little children because he's perfect. <laughs> okay? Don't let that heap guilt on you this morning. All right? Now let me continue. When verse 12 says that we are being trained by grace, that means that God will never get tired of training us. He will never stop training us by his grace. He never says, I need a break. 
That's why we said in the beginning, grace causes us to see life differently. And Paul tells Titus that when grace appeared and brought salvation, it brought the training that we needed to live in this life. If you're going to run a marathon, you just go out there and do it? No, there might be somebody that can, but not usually. You train for it, right? It's about how you eat. It's about, um, you know, building up to it with shorter runs and getting to the place where you can run a marathon. Or if I'm going to learn to cook, right, learn to cook something, I ask my wife or I ask my mom or I ask my grandfather. Now, I don't ask my my wife for the same things as I ask my grandfather for because they're very different. But if I want to learn to cook, I ask them, train me, train me in that. Teach me how to do this, right? Right now, our oldest son, Garrison, um, has his permit. And some of you just felt really old, didn't you? Uh, (laughs) Me too. Um, He's got to learn to drive a car. Well, how do we do that? Well, we got to teach him. We don't just throw him behind the wheel and say, get on the road, right? We train them to do that. We teach them to do that. But I want to say this. In the Christian life, we need training as well. But please don't miss this, that the training we need is not to gain grace or to maintain grace in our lives. It's training because of and by his grace. So what is the training for this life that grace brings? Well, we see it in the passage. First, it says to renounce, all right? I'm going to pause on that word for a minute and explain the word because it's important. The word renounce means to deny or to declare something, to be totally unlike oneself, not to accept or to settle for something in our lives. So it's to say that is something that is not going to be what defines me. I am not going to settle for that defining my life anymore. I might still gravitate toward it. I might still deal with it, but I am not going to settle for it defining me in my life. We are to renounce that. And so when when we say that grace is training us to renounce ungodliness and worldliness, it's to say, I'm not going to accept these things as part of of who I am. I'm going to continue to deal with the ungodliness and the worldly desires, the worldly thoughts in my life. And here's the beauty. By his grace, God has promised his Holy Spirit to continue to do this work in us. Grace is to guarantee that we have the Holy Spirit. And so we can say, I'm going to renounce this. We don't do it perfectly. We don't do it all the time. But we can keep growing in being able to say that. We're to renounce ungodliness. How do we we know what actions are ungodly? It sounds like a trick question, but it's really not. How do we know what actions are ungodly? You see, it sounds like a trick question to us because we want to buy, we we really struggle sometimes because we want to buy into the argument that we as individuals get to decide the norm for us in this life. We get to decide um, what we're going to submit to or not submit to. Or we join in with the cultural arguments. Um, sometimes you can see that, that, that a church, the church is, universally struggles with some of the cultural arguments because we, we act like, well, if the largest group of people say this is good and right, then it must be good and right, so we've got to figure this out. But here's the thing. Either through what the Bible, God's Word, says directly, or through the things we can understand from the Bible, 
God tells us. God tells us what is godly and ungodly. If the Bible says it's good, it's good. If the Bible says it's bad or it's sin, it's bad and it's sin. And I know that sounds so simplistic. So, yeah, but, but Tim, think about the, all the nuances and the way, when it comes to something that God's word has declared, there's not a nuance. There's a nuance in how we love people and care about people and try to help them see it. But there's no nuance in what his word says on those things. We may not like it, but it doesn't change the truth. God's word is God's revealed will. And his spirit illuminates to us and and brings recall again and again as we're in it. This also says that we're to renounce worldly passions. Worldly passions are more our way of thinking. The Apostle John talks about this in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. These worldly passions there are described as the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life. And so they include selfishness, pride, seeking after status and power, greed, lust, living for sinful pleasure rather than finding pleasure in God and what he says is good for us. The list is bigger than that. That's just an example. And so what do we do instead? What does grace train us to do instead? Well, it trains us to live self-controlled or sensible lives. This is the same word that's popped up. It was in chapter 1, verse 8, 2, verse 2, 4, 5, and 6. It means living in a self-controlled manner. It's telling us because grace is training us and the Holy Spirit is working in us, we can find self-control and not give in to various passions and actions. Doesn't mean we're going to do that every time. I keep saying that. Grace is beginning, is, is changing the way we see things. Doesn't mean it's completely done. We're also to live upright, it says. That's our integrity with others. This is specifically talking about our, our, our integrity um, with those around us. And so that's in our homes. That's in our churches. Kids, students, integrity at school, honesty, adults, workplace, other places in your lives. God's grace says in the workplace, by the way, to follow him, to trust him, that you don't have to try to manipulate things and stretch them to get what you want or to land the deal or to make the sale. God's grace is training us to think like he does and to understand that he will take care of you. And then, third, we live godly. That is, his thoughts become more and more our thoughts or our thoughts become more and more like his thoughts. You see, grace says that we can trust God to handle what's going on in our hearts. Do do y'all really believe that? Most days I do. God really can't handle what's going on in your heart. I say it a lot, but I'm going to say it again. He already knows. But it's good for us to share it out loud. It's good for our hearts to share it to him. It says we learn, this, this living godly is showing that we learn more and more what God requires of us. And we can then come again and again 
and again and confess our sinful thoughts, our sinful actions, and ask him to change us. But see, how do we often think about God changing us? It, doesn't it usually kind of stop at, God, help me not to do this thing. Help me not to think this thought. Help me not to, to, to do this action that I know is wrong. What this is showing us, though, is that grace changes us on the inside. Grace changes our hearts. Grace changes us to start to think more and more like God thinks. Guess what happens when, when, that, when that begins to happen? That will affect the actions. But if you just go after the actions, nothing happens in the heart. Godly lives is our hearts changing and our minds changing to think the thoughts of God. To do that, it, asks, it requires one thing. It requires humility. To ask God to change our hearts, to change our thoughts, that requires humility because we have to say, I'm not God, I'm not in charge, you are. We need you, God. We need your grace and your ongoing work in our lives if any of this is going to happen. This training is by, by grace, it's ongoing. But, but please know this. God is patient. Anybody in here that's been walking with the Lord a long time, this, this is where older men and older women talking to younger men and younger women is important because they'll tell you God's patient. They've experienced it. And he is going to continue his work because it's his promise by his grace. But learning to submit to him and trust him in, all, in our lives, that's not easy, okay? I don't want you to hear me say that's easy. And I think Paul was telling Titus, because it's not easy, he shows Titus that grace enables us to walk in hope. He shows that, he shows that in two ways. It's not easy to do that, but he shows how to do that in two ways. One, look forward. Look forward to blessed hope. That's what he says in verse 13. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. As believers, Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, is with us. But we're looking forward to him, like to, to him coming again. When I was in um, college, I would do some backpacking, and, and one day I was backpacking. And it was the third day, I think, of the trip. It was in the morning. We woke up it's around Roan Mountain, Tennessee, on a small part of the Appalachian Trail. And as we're, we're um, starting out that morning, it was pretty foggy, and we're starting up a mountain. It's foggy, but I, but I, was, I was tired. I was kind of like, okay, we probably should have done a two-day trip. Um, I was pretty worn out. But the guys with me who had done this a good bit said, oh, this isn't really fog. This is just a low cloud. I'm like, what's the difference? But anyway, <laughs> they said, I promise if you keep going, we'll break through the cloud. And when we get to the top, you'll have a wonderful view that we'll be able to have an early lunch and just rest. And the promise of that view, the promise that that was coming, the promise of being able, actually it was more about resting, um, was being able to come once we got through um, that, that low cloud 
That was the hope that kept me going. I was looking forward. Paul's telling Titus here and, and those at Crete and us, Jesus is coming again. When I say that, that's not some random thing hanging out there that might happen. You might believe it, you might not. But God's word tells us Jesus is coming again. We can't see it fully now, but we can keep walking sometimes in the midst of fog that seems really heavy, right? We can keep walking because we know he is coming again. Grace helps us remember again and again that this is real. And grace will continue to give us hope as we wait for that coming again. To bolster that promise even more, Paul reminds Titus and us to also look back to what he's done. All right, so he's kind of going back and forth here. Now he's coming back and settling on. Because the reason you know this promise is true, because the grace has appeared, let me remind you what he's done. Verse 14, he, Jesus, gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. What has Jesus done for us? What has he done for us? He has redeemed us from all lawlessness. This redeem word here is the word used for buying a slave out of the market and giving them their freedom. Before we, followers of Jesus, before we became followers of Jesus, we were all slaves to sin. That's what the Bible teaches us. Jesus redeemed us from that. He paid the price by his blood to free us from bondage to sin. And then it says, the second thing that Jesus has done is that he's purified a people for his own possession. This is showing us that Christ purified us it's, it's this already and not yet. His work has purified a people for himself. And while we're on this earth, he is purifying us. His grace is training us and changing us. He bought us from the slave market of sin. And now we belong to him as his personal, beloved possession, beloved little children. We can trust that. We can trust that by his grace, he will continue to train those he saves as we walk forward in this life. Y'all, grace causes us to see life differently. Now being a follower of Jesus, it's not something restrictive it's not a list of rules to follow. It is an acknowledgement that by his grace, he is going to continue to work in us. And that brings freedom and joy in the Christian life. When I was, hadn't been here at the Vine very long, it was about nine and a half years ago or so, and I was sitting in the, the old conference room back in the corner. Um, I was in there by myself. 
And the way we got here, most of you don't know this story. I'm not going to tell the story right now, but the way we got here was really weird. Um, God did strange things to bring us here. Um, so we get here, and now I'm about a year in, year and a half, year, year and a half in. And I'm sitting there in the conference table, I'm like, Lord, what are you doing? Lord, why in the world did you bring us here? Lord, haven't I done enough that I could kind of tell you what you want from me? <laughs> I was reading in Titus 2 that morning. And as I was doing so, as I'm crying out, Lord, haven't I done enough for, you to t- for me to be able to kind of show you what I'd like now? <laughs> I've followed you all over the country. As I was reading Titus 2, I just sensed the Lord impressing on my heart. Nope. Nah. This is through my southern brain, so that's why it sounds that way. (laughs) Nah, that's not enough. You haven't done enough. But the good news is I have. And I just need you to keep walking with me and trusting me, and I'll teach you as we go. And by his grace, he continues to do so over and over and over again. You know what happens? We see it in the application here. As we grow in our trust of his grace working in us, you know what happens? That's when we become zealous for good works. That's when we won't to honor him with our lives. But if you heard that just now and you think, okay, I gotta go get some good works done, you've missed this whole sermon, okay? It's God's grace changing the way we think. It's God's grace changing our hearts. It's us continuing to ask him to change us from the inside. And as he does, he then changes us for these good works that he's prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, Ephesians 2 tells us. Paul tells Titus at the end, verse 15, declare these things. Exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. What's he saying? Why do you think he needed to tell Titus this? Because even the people on Crete wanted to live by their meritorious work or by getting a free pass. This message says, no, you need to follow God. But you follow God because he brought salvation, because he's at work, because his grace is training you to do so. He says, don't shy away from that message. That message is vital. This is why weekly, almost, we celebrate communion. I get asked that question a good bit. Why do we do this every week? Well, we do this every week because when we come to the Lord's table, we celebrate that Jesus, by his body broken and his blood shed, that Jesus has redeemed us from all 
lawlessness. We celebrate that Jesus has paid the penalty for our sin. We celebrate that he, by his grace, has declared that those who are called by his name will be purified for his own possession. And we look forward to the fact that this is the picture of the, 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 the promise that he's going to come again. And he's going to complete what he started. Because it's about what he's done. And so I want to encourage you this morning as we prepare for the Lord's table. Just take a moment, a couple moments. And ask the Lord today, Lord, would you show me today if there are any places in my life we all know they're there, but will you show me the places you want me to see today where my thoughts are not after your thoughts, where my heart is not following you? And after you do so, um, I'll bring us back together in just a moment. So please um, take this time. Lord Jesus, we come today as those who are reminded that we are desperate for you and your grace, Lord, to train us. But Lord, even as we express before you where our thoughts are not your thoughts, where our, our hearts are not always following you, Lord, thank you that you have also promised us that it is your grace that brings salvation and that by your grace, you will continue to work in our hearts. Lord, thank you that we can come to your table. Lord, even as the bread remains bread and the wine and juice remain wine and juice, Lord, you've set them apart to minister, Lord, grace to our hearts, to remind us that what you said you would do, you have done. And you will continue that work in us until you come again. And so, Lord, would you refresh us by your grace this morning. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at The Vine CC. Have a great week.